Welcome to The Strategist, episode 1092. I'm your host, Annalise Klingbeil, and with you, as always, Stephen Carter and Corey Hogan. You say, as always, because that's the script, yeah. and we make you say that, but I've been gone for three episodes. I know, but we're together. We're reunited together again. Yeah, it's true. You look yeah, relaxed from your vacation. I'm not. I was in a car crash. There was, you know, forest fires all around me. I had to camp last night. My God. No, it was awful. <laughs> You're describing uh, No, it was life, intermittently Corey. fun. Intermittently fun. <laughs> Which part was Type fun? too fun is what uh, us outdoorsy people call that. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, no, I was I was on Shushwap Lake. I, I had a boat. I enjoyed that part of it. I didn't enjoy when I drove the prop into the ground because it was record low water levels and then I had to pay <laughs> $150 for the prop. But I enjoyed the rest of it. You had it bad really luck with things that you drive on this Yeah, uh, Lori, my wife was saying, maybe I should just stay away from motorized vehicles. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's not my thing. Yeah. Maybe I'm good at other break. things. You're good at yeah. lots of other things, Corey. Carter That's is true. also back looking relaxed. Yeah. I'm very relaxed. And not survived. good at other things. So I did, yeah. a good I point of contrast. I did three episodes while on vacation. You know? I, no. You can't call those episodes. You just can't. What do you mean? First of all, you have you to post, post them three in order. One of them well, got posted yeah. properly, Steven. kind of after a little while. Congratulations. Did, yeah. Did it? <laughs> I figured out what I was doing nice wrong. Corey to leave his vacation and save you. I think that the what problem were, was- There's like two steps. No, there was more than two steps. It's, it's not- it's literally, uh, uh, the thing you kept screwing up is like post audio, <laughs> upload audio, post. Like I don't, I, I'm actually amazed by the number of ways you screwed I it really up. I really did. It was pretty it, incredible. Hey, I told you, you were like, you can't possibly <laughs> yeah. screw this up three times. And I did. You're welcome. You We're got, proud of you. You got cockier each time. Oh, that yeah. You would have no issues. Well, and then there was no yeah, issues every time. Every you time. know, yeah. that is part of yeah. my uh, charm. You know, 100% confidence in myself. All the time. <laughs> must, yeah. must be nice, Stephen Carter. Must I, be Stephen nice. Carter I have lent it out Stephen to others. Carter will get you know, it right. Remember, like, our good friend Esmahan, I've lent it to her. If you need it, just give me a call. Yeah. It's available. Okay. White man call. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Corey's going to be mad <laughs> okay. at me because I forgot okay. to turn off my uh, my computer chimes. Hang on. Yeah, I, I already am. So. Yeah, hang on. Okay. Are we, uh, should happens. we talk about some stuff? I think so. Okay. I think so. I mean, I'm desperate not to talk about this stuff anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, after your your vacation. Okay, guys, we've got we've got things to talk about. Um Carter, are you ready to talk? Are you your network okay? Ready. You're digging okay? Ready. Okay. I I turned off the dinging I talk- and I'm focused. Okay. I want to talk about um Meta I know we talk about X, we talk about Twitter a lot on this podcast, but I want to talk about Meta and their um, ongoing news ban. So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it seems to me like normal folks are starting to notice. It's been three weeks of not being able to share links on Instagram and Facebook on Meta. Um, and people people are talking about it, especially right now as, as our country is on fire and there's like news articles and things that people want to share. Um, so on Friday, the federal heritage minister demanded that meta um stop the reckless ban on domestic news where were these demands made you might wonder 
on another social media platform on X. So I want to talk to you guys about strategy here, um, both from kind of the political side, but also maybe if you want to wade into it from the media company side. Um, We're three weeks into this ban. I know when we first talked about it, we talked about Australia, where it only lasted for about a week. Um, And so let's... uh, Let's let's jump into it. Corey, what are what do you make? You were on vacation. I don't know how much news you were consuming the past few weeks. Uh, uh, but do you do you think people are waking up to the fact that like you can't share links on these social media sites? Yeah, I th- I think people are pretty aware of it at this point. It was a bit of a slow burn in the lead up. It was one of these things where people kept saying, It's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And uh, I think there was some polling, I'm I'm gonna butcher it. I don't remember the exact numbers, but before it was passed, I think something like four in ten Canadians said they were aware of it. And I'm quite sure that number rocketed up when it started affecting them personally on Instagram and on on Facebook. So yeah, I, I think I think it's well known. I think one of the things that might surprise a few people is that not everybody does know about it still, which in some ways underlines Meta's argument that they're not really about sharing news. That's not what the sites are. That's not what they aspire to be. And so this this is just like the theater of the absurd at this point. It, it, it actually drives me absolutely nuts. I, I do not support this bill by the federal government. I think I've made that pretty clear on this. I think it was a bad idea executed poorly, uh, as only they can do, right? So self-sure that they know the answers that they're going to go in and, and do this thing. But, but here's, the, here's what it gets down to. The, the, the federal government now demanding news get back. On one hand, I sort of get it. Like it's, it's a public emergency and you want, you want to be able to reach in any direction and grab a phone and have that phone give you some help, right? But, you know, asking an emergency for news to be free is not something we do for satellite radio, Sirius XM. We don't do it for cable television. That would be helpful. 24-hour news you don't get without a cable package. Uh, we don't do it for newspaper subscriptions or anything of the like, right? There's, there's nothing inherently special about Facebook in my opinion, that makes it a really great source for news. In fact, it seems like a pretty dangerous one because Facebook doesn't give it to you, uh, you know, based on like the most recent thing. It's not chronological. It's based on engagement. So you might be looking at news from months ago, hours ago, for sure, days ago, most certainly. And can I tell you, as somebody who used to be a government official responsible for government communications, this was a real frustration. Mm. Like on social media, often the news people were looking at was not the news. And we always said in our social media posts, go here for the latest news. And we shared a site for it because we didn't actually want social media to be that source of truth, right? We wanted other people to go to the source of truth. And so let's bring us back to this whole story with Bill C-18 now and all of this. It's nuts. It's nuts to me. Like the, the federal government said, you're making too much money on news is back. So we are going to force you, if you're going to carry news, to pay the news media. And they said, oh, well, then we're just not going to carry the news media. And now they're saying, how dare you not carry the news media? So here's my question for you. Was this a choice? Because if this wasn't a choice, this whole bill is bullshit. Just tax them. Just fucking tax them. How hard is that? Tax them and distribute the money as you see fit. For God's sake, you already have a program to pay for news organizations here. Don't love that one either. But if that's your plan, just fucking tax them and use the money as you see fit. This is government at its worst. It's government at its absolute worst. It's Kafka-esque. It's stupid. Carter, over to you for the wrong answer. Yeah. yeah, Carter, jump in. Relax, Corey, who's had three episodes off. Coming like, holy in, shit. Coming in coming hot. In hot. 
listen. Yeah. <laughs> first, first answer there. Wow. Um, this isn't just, you know, these aren't just apps anymore. These are utilities. And we use these as utilities. We use the internet as a utility. Um, there, we are getting closer and closer to a world where if you're going to exist in our world, you must have access to the internet. And having access to the internet isn't the same as just clicking on a dial-up service and, uh, you know, using Archie to go for, you know, go and search for something. Um, it is. Wow, that's a pull. That's a deep pull. Well, it was for you, Archie. For those uninitiated, yeah, that's that's pre World Wide yeah. Web search. That's Gopher. Yeah, right? you're welcome. Um, but it's not like that anymore. You don't just get to dial up and hear your dial tones. I mean, this is this is now how we get information. That's- and we nationalized a news service. We nationalized the CBC to ensure that we could get proper media coverage uh, from a, you know around the country and that people would have access to it. Uh, in places where they needed it. And that makes uh, so much sense to me. I, I'm not one of those people who can understand what the conservatives are talking about when they say that we have to get rid of the uh, of the CBC. The CBC is an essential service. And I would argue that having access currently to things like Meta and, uh, and other social media uh, are lining up closer. I'm not going to go all the way yet, but they are lining up closer to an essential service uh, than we ever imagined that they would. And now we are in the awkward moment, the same as we were in the awkward moment, trying to figure out how to deal with private utilities before they became public utilities. Um, do we wish to to turn this little pub- private enterprise into a public enterprise in some fashion? And that does not necessarily mean that we have to uh, go the way of the Alberta government and turn everything into DynaLife. Um, this, is, this can be a, uh, a regulatory solution it can be a, uh, a, a any ty- any different type of solution. And I'm not opposed, Corey, to your taxation solution. I think that taxes should play a role in this. Um, but I also think that we have inadvertently given far too much power to Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk and these uh, what we thought would be benevolent um, benevolent organizations uh, that would. We would in some fashion work to promote a public good, and they're not going to. They're just not going to. It was naive of us to think that they would. So I think that we need to work harder to put in place rules and regulations that protect our public good. Is this the best one? No, nah, I don't think so. I think it could have been done 100, 100 times better. But, you know, I don't think this is the best government. So, you know, I kind of fit within my expectations. Um, but I do think that tackling Meta and tackling Twitter and tackling Google and tackling all of these, you know, uh, organizations that, that said that they would be there for the public good, that aren't there for the public good, that are only there for the almighty dollar, fuck them. Let's go after them and get what we need as a society. And I think that this is a, a decent, a decent first step. I. I, I mean, I just totally disagree. I, you, you've wrapped in high-mindedness this idea of like this inalienable right to, you know, Facebook and minions memes. Like, give give me a break. Like, I, I could actually take your argument that internet access is a bit of a right and that's a utility. But you're talking about one social network 
on the whole wide woolly internet here. Like that's no, no, that's no. absurd. Let, let's, like that that's taking it way way too far. Let's not pretend that sure, these aren't I agree. massive fucking they websites. Are. Let's not pretend that twenty five percent of our of our internet time isn't spent on a meta product. Let's not pretend these things. Let's not let's not pretend that that Google isn't okay. responsible for significant challenges within our society. Please please let's not pretend that. Let us not pretend. Yeah, that. and you know, twenty five percent of your electricity might be your washing machine, Stephen, but it's not the utilities. <laughs> and yet, problem. is highly like, regulated like, washing machines. Have you seen those stickers that you pull right out of it? <laughs> highly regulated. <laughs> you're extending your argument in an absurd. Sense. No, I'm not. You know, that's that's How my personal view. Of dare you, sir? Does Google have too much power? Yes. Does Meta have too yes. much power? Are they trying to make profits? Yeah, well, welcome to late stages capitalism. But again, then address the problem directly. Like I this, can't these argue are, like, with that. These are really dumb on the edge arguments, you know. Not that you're making, but I think that the government is making that. Oh, you know what? We're what we're we have a problem with news falling apart and you having way too much control over our lives. So we're going to create a bill where you've got to get into a revenue sharing agreement with local news. Like, does that sound like an appropriate fix? That's that's no. dumb. And by the way. They weren't even sincere because the first people who are like, actually, we don't want to do that. They're like, no, but you must. And so please come back to the table or else we're going to accuse you of putting people's lives at A couple at of risk. things here. I mean, there's been a, a number of regulatory failures. And the, the, the federal government is walking away from this as though they've done their jobs properly. And I will agree with you 100% that they have fucked up massively. Even this local news problem, allowing these organizations to walk away from local news like they're enormously profitable and they don't make money in one section. They have a responsibility to do no local news to ensure that we have an educated and inform informed public. That was our deal with them when we gave them access to the airwaves. The fact that they don't have they don't use the airwaves anymore is not an excuse to get away from the uh, the requirement that we have information flow throughout our society. Sorry, Annalise, you can probably jump in yeah, anytime. No, you you guys have missed you guys have missed each other. You don't need a host. You can just bicker back and forth. No, we good. did we did a, a Hogan um, and Carter uh, what four episodes ago. People are still bitching about it. Yeah. You know, it's they, there's so <laughs> much complaining. We have two hosts. Neither wanted to do it. And okay, so it, many things to pick apart in everything that you said. But let's um. I, I want to talk about this this strategy, perhaps, and the fact that they're using the federal government is using the wildfires and the emergency as kind of like a piece of their strategy. So the tweet itself said, Meta's reckless choice to block news is hurting access to vital information on Facebook and Instagram. We are calling on them to reinstate news sharing today for the safety of Canadians facing this emergency. We need more news right now, not less. That was on Friday, I believe. What do you make of this, you know, like... Using an emergency, and I think, um, Corey, you touched on it a little about news sites still have their paywalls during emergencies, but using using a time when people are vulnerable and people are looking for news to be like, hey, this proves our point. We need news. What what do you, is this just the feds, again, screwing things up or do are they on to something here using the emergency? Well... I mean, it it is kind of comms one hundred and one stuff. You look for, you look for a way to make it relevant to people, and then they see an argument that oh, the news is really essential, and we've we've got to have it there. But my, I guess my my challenge with it is is it's like, it's it's not what we were arguing about, right? Like, are, are we arguing about the essential nature of news, or are we arguing about whether Facebook should be forced to carry news or what? I don't even know anymore. And it, it seems to be an intentional conflating of the issues that are at hand 
and and suggesting that this is somehow you know Facebook's fault, Meta's fault for doing what they've done. And, and listen, maybe that's your opinion, and that's fine. And certainly, you can make an argument that there's a switch somewhere at like you know one Facebook Plaza. They can just flick, and all of a sudden, people can share news, and maybe that would be a good thing during an emergency. Like I said, I'm less convinced it is just because I know the challenges with social media during these emergencies. But um, maybe that's your position. That okay, but but that's not that's not actually tied to the issue at hand. At least the way that the government is trying to make it. Now, not a bad calm strategy to try to tie it to the issue at hand. It, it was really interesting to see Facebook or Meta's response, which was essentially, "Yeah, we've turned on the feature that allows people to mark themselves safe." Yeah. You know, as though that Let's was what was being asked safe. for. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this is – Meta is taking the position that they're not about news, and the government is now taking the position they are about news. And that's what's weird to me. This argument has morphed into the government insisting Facebook and, and Instagram are about news, and the owner of Facebook and Instagram saying it's it's not. Like, this is what it has become in week three. Like I said, theater of the absurd. I, I Like, that's not really up to the government to decide whether Facebook and Instagram are about news. So where, Carter, what's your take on where we go from here? Three weeks in, neither party has backed down. They're now fighting, as um, as Corey says, about almost like a different a different topic. And and I think regular folk are maybe starting to tune in and pay attention. Like where where do you see this going? And I guess strategy wise, what would you advise? Um, feds to do? Well, I I don't think I'm going to change my advice from the last time I talked about this. And I'll tell you something that did not listen to that episode, because we said, define your enemy early and define them in in such a way that it's like, Corey's not wrong. This is an opportunity to use if you're the government. You use this fire situation, the requirement for news as an opportunity for you to gain points, to, to win people's minds. But because you haven't set the enemy properly, because you have not told us what this is about, again, to Corey's point, um, we don't know what we're supposed to think or who we're supposed to be mad at. Uh, and it looks to me like as part of that, um, this is banging back on on uh, on the government. It is not coming through that they are uh, the aggrieved party, that we are as a society the aggrieved party. Uh, it, is, it is looking more and more like um, the government just doesn't really have a story to tell and they're just trying to blame someone else for their, for, for all of our misery. And damn it. I mean, it just pisses me off because there's probably not an easier enemy in the whole world to have, um, than, than Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Elon Musk and, uh, um, whomever else you want to pick on at the Google factory. I mean, these are easy people to dislike and somehow the government of Canada, uh, continues to not have the ability to define them as the enemy. So right now, right tactic, but you didn't set it up properly. And the setup is everything. If you're going to have something work, if you're going to have your communication structure work, you must set it up appropriately. And we've said it a thousand times on this podcast, the Trudeau government does not know how to do crisis communications. They just don't. It doesn't seem to matter who gets put in there. It is either a failure of the people they're putting in or it is a failure of the prime minister to to take their advice and actually do smart communications. This is just another example of a communications failure that just makes me angry. Well, yeah. And even if you wanted to take the same basic policy track, I think there were ways you could have communicated it that would have really put uh, Meta on the back foot. Like instead of this coming in hot letter, 
like if, if the government had said, listen, we know we're in a dispute right now. Like, it, like this had to be the tone yeah. too, right? Like we're, we know we're in a dispute. We understand that they don't see eye to eye with this on news, but now is not the time. So we're asking Meta to reverse this at this moment as people have their lives at risk. Uh, obviously, we will need to figure out new protocols if we can't come to a head. Obviously, a lot of things will need to change, but they're not going to change overnight. And now now is not the time. So we're asking Meta just to reverse this decision at this moment. And then Meta's in the position where they've reversed the decision, or they don't, but like to a very reasonable sounding ask, instead of this coming in hot, you're putting lives at risk. Because a lot of people, and I would actually put myself in that camp too, would say, you fired first, man. Like you passed this bill, you forced their hand, they did the thing, now you're mad they did the thing. I think you could have avoided that whole line of of like cynical inquiry and and you know view of the government's actions if you had just said now's not the time. Like we're hashing this out but now's not the time. So we're just asking you. We're asking you politely to do what's right for Canadians at this. Yeah, point. that would have been way better. Do you think it's something and Carter you mentioned they did not listen and follow your advice? Can the Fed still recover from this? Or is it is it two, three weeks in? Is it too far gone? Is it too late? It's it's not too late. Um, the federal government has this uh, wonderful thing called time and money uh, on this one. And they can generally speaking outlast any private corporation that they choose to, to aim their guns at. Um, you know, t- Facebook is a, Meta is a huge entity. Google's a huge entity. Uh, Twitter used to be something that mattered. Um, you know, these... But but regardless, the government of Canada is, is enormous. I think Corey's made that point a, a couple of times. You know, the government of Canada has the ability um, to just always keep coming back. Um, but if you keep coming back, if you're going to come back again, if you're going to do this one more time, you need to make sure you're doing it on the right terms. And that's, I think, where I've got my problems with the with this legislation Um Corey's got different problems than I do. I think that this, I think that this should be regulated. I think that we should be regulating internet companies in a totally different way. I'd want to go after the publishing uh, capacity, and it's something we can talk about maybe at a later date. But you know, we don't treat internet companies as publishers. That is kind of at the core of of the of our social agreement with the with the. Uh, with the with with social media, right? You post everything and, and you're not responsible for what you post. Okay. But let's look at where that's taken us. We should be rewriting those laws and bringing us into a new space. And that includes, um, that to me would also include making sure that we're posting real news. I mean, I still think you can share the rebels uh, information, right? Okay, well- the onion. Can you share the onion? I mean, the onion was pretty pissed that they were being shared. You know, so what is what what defines even news in today's society and how is meta even defining it? You know, like it's all God, fucked up. You, meta conversation. You went all over the place with that answer, Sarah. You know what though? That's why that. they come in. That's why that, they that's why deep. they listen. That's why they listen. That's why who <laughs> listens? Well, what are you talking about? This is a great podcast to drift off to, for Cor- sure. Cor- yeah. I actually was just talking to someone who fell asleep to uh, to the sounds of your voice, Carter. Um, really? Corey, same question you for you. Like, is it, is it? Is it? T- You're the one who doesn't bring the energy. Too, um, so angry. Is it is it too late or like if if you're advising the feds, what what is their move kind of this week and in in the weeks to come? 
Yeah, I mean, classic federal government here, they, they came in way hot, right? They they seem to have been amped up by both the situation, which, let's face it, is very charged, very stressful. People make mistakes. They don't do optimal things in emergencies. That's human nature. But but also, they, uh, you know, they did something that I'm sure they thought would play very well to their base, but maybe is not going to be particularly persuasive to Canadians who they need to persuade here. They need to take a beat. I think on this one, they might not even like either they come in and they say, hey, we're the government and we're I mean, look, check the legislation. I'm sure there's some emergency act that you can order a private company to do something. Just do it. Right. Like, that's the other thing that bothers me. You're the fucking government. Just just do it. Like, if it's so serious, just do it. Tell Meta they're doing it, and we will figure it all out later under some emergency power you have. For God's sakes, we've seen a pretty good example of emergency powers at use in other contexts in this country in the past couple of years here. Or you just just cool it, right? These are your two options at this moment. But I think regardless, they need to find an opportunity to get out of the bickering. Right, So they either need to come in as the heavy and say, no, this is just happening, or they need to slink back a bit, and they need to regroup and determine what the hell it is they're actually trying to do here, and what exactly would be a victory, and how they're going to navigate themselves from A to B. Like, I honestly don't think they necessarily know where they're going. It feels mm-hmm. like they're hoping a path will open to them. Somehow, cooler heads will prevail. Somehow, they'll get an agreement with Google, which will force Meta or something. I don't even know. I, I think this is part of the problem. Like... They uh, they were, in my opinion, too cute by half with this legislation as a whole. They need to go back and say, what was the purpose of this? What are we willing to accept? What are we willing not to accept? Or, or however you want to phrase that. And, and, uh, and actually come at it with a clear strategy. Because this feels like just pinging, pinging off the issue whenever something comes up. And you are, any success in that environment will be accidental. You know, you've got to know where you're going. What about just to kind of end this one here, do do either of you have any advice for the media companies in here? And I think what I find quite interesting is that they've spent the past five plus years pushing their audiences to social media, right? Like they're, yeah. they, um, there was a huge video push with, with Facebook. There was a huge, we need fans and followers and, and pushing people. I know, Corey, you said at the beginning when you were in government, you would link to come here for the breaking news. I feel like with a lot of media, it was the opposite. It was like, go to our social media. Um, so they've spent five, 10 years directing people to these platforms. Now people can't access them on the platforms. Like what do you have advice or strategy for what the media companies should be doing in the middle of all this? I mean, there's global advice, which is no company should become so dependent on another company. Like that's, that's 101 stuff. That's Porter's five forces stuff that they have all the bargaining power in that particular relationship. And you are going to get what you're going to get in an environment like that. The yellow pages had this crazy authority and power and ability to bill for things like you, you'd get like a couple of lines in the yellow pages and it would cost a fortune right back when that was the way people did it. And you got to be careful for, for like all of your exposure coming through one particular channel. And these companies that went all, all in on it in a way i'm like well that was a bad business choice and i'm not really sure why it's my job as a canadian as a taxpayer if you want to use that language it's not language i generally love to kind of solve your bad business choice you know mm-hmm. private equity company out of new york who owns half of our media mm-hmm. like that doesn't that's a yp that's not an mp like figure your shit out is my sort of first reaction to these kinds of things but the the other and this is where the hypocrisy goes around so deeply like, you're right, they they have gone out of their way to integrate with social media channels. I did a bit of a tour today 
they all still have the tags to optimize their content for Facebook, to optimize their content for Instagram, to, to make sure that it's as beautiful as possible when sharing. These were choices that they did to make it easier to share on social media. If they didn't like it, they, they could have just not done any of them. They, they literally could have just walked away from it here. If you're, a, if you're a media company, you need to be thinking about, do you want to jump from the frying pan into the fire by being in a situation where you're so dependent on Facebook and Google to one where you're so dependent on a government regulation? Because I'll tell you this, from a corporate strategy point of view, and I don't actually, Stephen, this was post my time working with you. This was when I was a consultant afterwards. I used to give this talk about, you know, the risks of companies being in industries that are entirely propped up by government regulation. That Mm -hmm. sort of goes against sort of the public zeitgeist, right? And you can think of a million of them, right? Where it looked like they had a de facto monopoly. And then the government said... Actually, this is kind of dumb. We don't want to do this anymore. And and there's ones I agree with and there's ones I disagree with. Uh, airlines come up, obviously, right? Like, ah, we don't want to do that anymore. Taxis, that's why we have Ubers and Lyfts everywhere. And it's put massive downward pressure on taxi salaries. I don't love it. But, you know, the public just said, this is more convenient. We want these things. We're going to go this way. And if you build a business that is so dependent on those things and the wall comes down your business goes down with it. So I just I think it's just bad strategy for these media companies to be so all in on C18 as well cuz this goes back to how you started this whole segment Annalise. People are starting to notice they're not loving it in all contexts. It feels like a broken internet. Why do Canadians get a second-rate internet? Oh, it's because of our government. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. Won't somebody just fix that will be a sentiment for an awful lot of people. Seems pretty easy to fix because it was pretty easy to break. And uh, if you are the media company that relied on that revenue stream and all of a sudden Pierre Polyev is prime minister and he says, we're not doing that anymore. Well, what do you do? Like, like you, you don't want to just be overly dependent on any one patron here. You got to diversify your sources. And that's the lesson of social media doesn't seem to be the lesson people are learning as they jump into bed with the government on these things. Carter, any uh, any closing remarks, either advice for media companies or you want to tell Corey why he's wrong or what's... No, you I, close us up, Carter. I'd love to tell Corey why he's wrong, but I really don't have much con- complaint with what Corey's saying. I mean, I think that there was so much, you know, this was all free, right? Like the, it was so much easier just to go on to Twitter and, and, and have all your reporters on Twitter and posting their articles because then Twitter would drive traffic to you and Twitter would drive traffic to you for nothing, right? Facebook would drive traffic to you for nothing. It turned out actually there was an extremely high cost. You gave away all your traffic to someone else and they monetized it and they turned it into real, real money. And now they don't even need you anymore. I mean, ultimately that's what happened, right? Um, someone monetized your product because you were just too lazy or too ignorant to know how to monetize it yourself. And that is, that's the news media right now. Um, then you, you got hit with a number of other factors as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you gave away your product for nothing because it was easier than trying to figure out how to uh, how to how to actually make it work on your own. And maybe you couldn't figure it out on your own. Um, but these these big companies now have it, and now government's trying to make it right. And government's trying to make it right. And when you're relying on government to make something right, especially in the private industry segment sector, uh, it's going to be gross. Going to be gross. Probably not going to work really well. So. 
Here we go. This is where we are. Yeah. I mean, we got an interesting grab bag of things that you might consider public utilities here. The internet, social media, news, right? We're in a really weird spot. We're in this kind of liminal space where these companies have become so big and, you know, it seems important, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have broken a lot of things along the way to get here. And, you know, it's not it's not easy solutions. I, I wouldn't want anyone to suggest or believe I'm suggesting otherwise, but you've got to kind of address them head on. You've got to directly address the challenges in front of you and not not keep attacking these things from the side. Like it, you need a much more conscious approach to these things. And you also, liberal government, you've got to know you're not the only player on the field. You've got to know mm-hmm. the billions of dollars at stake if you create a model that fundamentally undermines Meta's profitability. They're not going to play ball here. We are right next to the United States. We said this months ago. This is not Australia. You know, there are risks that Meta will see with Canada's actions that they just simply did not see with Australia's actions. Smaller country, halfway across the world. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's leave that one there, guys. I'm sure we will revisit it again as uh, there are more developments here. And let's move into our next segment, our next segment, the politics of wildfire. Uh, you experienced it, Corey. You experienced Carter. You guys were both on vacation yeah. recently in BC. Uh, mm-hmm. Things are burning. Yellowknife evacuated. Kelowna is being evacuated. Um, I want to talk to you kind of high level here. In times like this, middle of summer, country is on fire. What's the politician to do? Um, what should governing parties be doing right now? What should opposition parties be doing? And what what are you seeing that you like? What are you seeing that you don't like? And I think not like we can talk local politics. We can talk kind of federal. There's uh, There's lots happening in Canada right right now on this. So Carter, you're you're smiling. You kick us off. Well, I'll tell you what I would I would definitely if I was on an axe the tax uh tour, I'd cancel that tour. I think that Pierre Polyev did the exact right thing. Um, you know, not going to the Yukon to do his axe the tax event. Uh I would also um not do what the uh Kelowna MP did, which is to uh basically tweet about uh, climate change while her city was on fire. Now, that's Tracy me. Tracy Gray. That's me. Yeah, tweeted about the oh, carbon sorry. tax, to be clear, it's not climate change. All linked together in my mind. All linked together. Because, she, you know, people are talking about it. I mean, we've been talking about it differently for years now. And each each year, more people start talking about climate change in a different in different terms, because each year it impacts more people directly. And the sad truth of almost any change environment is that people will not change until such time as it impacts them directly. And now we are seeing direct impact after direct impact after direct impact. So, you know, we can watch what happens in Hawaii and be like, holy smokes, that was really scary. Um, that's really too bad for those folks in Hawaii, but we will not change our behavior. Now we're starting to see those behaviors come ho- closer and closer. And I, I, don't get me wrong, lots of people still aren't going to change their behaviors. I mean, I was driving behind, you know, giant trucks belching black smoke out of their exhausts as we, you know, as I was driving back from British Columbia. Um, you know, people are still assholes. People still will promote uh, their own self interests, but. Our self-interests are now becoming aligned with someone better get a hold of this because shit's getting scary and 
I think that the CPC especially is way offside with where most Canadians are going to want going to be in the next in the next 12 to 12 to 18 months before the next election. Let's put it that way. We can I want to talk more about the acts attack stuff, but Corey, let's bring you in here. What are you seeing right now that you like or that you don't like um, from politicians in, in the middle of, of evacuations and emergency? Well, you know, obviously, these message calendars are built in advance. This axe the tax tour, I'm suggesting or suspecting, I maybe it's even been confirmed or not, that that post that uh, from the Kelowna MP was probably a scheduled post, probably done by staff. It just seemed like part of a parcel of things going on. And obviously, this is why you have to be very careful about those things. And you've got to be very thoughtful and review these things on, a, you know, if if not a if not an hourly basis, daily basis, for sure. So you're not stepping in, uh, you know, a massive amount of challenge. I, I think we're in an interesting spot in the in the climate conversations in this country. It's not news. Everybody listening to this knows this, but this is by far the worst wildfire season on record. You know, twice as many hectares burned as the last record. It looked way off the charts compared to previous years. I think we were talking a couple of months ago about the number of smoke-filled days in our home city of Calgary yeah. over the years. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to repost that chart maybe on our Patreon Discord or something, but it's insane. It is it is incontrovertible. These things are happening, and there's not really getting around it. I guess all a long way to say serious people aren't in denial about this. Serious people won't be in denial about this going forward. The younger generations aren't in denial about this. I actually don't think we need to have a ton of conversations in a funny way about whether climate change is real. There's going to be unserious people who are in denial about this. And the CPC risks being lumped in with unserious people if they don't have solutions. But like, like this is just this is background now. And it's fucking depressing, by the way. And we are all complicit in it. You know, yes, you were in an EV no doubt, Stephen, yeah. as you were behind that car belching it, but we're all doing our thing, moving about. I, I mean, I was on a boat. You know how much gas a boat uses in any given bloody day as I was tooling around here? And we all think like, oh, our actions aren't that, that big, right? And, and so I think that the CPC is going to have a bit of an audience for like, why me? Why do I have to be the person who has to deal with this? And so I very intentionally kind of separated carbon tax from climate change when you said it, because I think that the CPC is increasingly going to do that. They don't have a solution for climate change. They don't. Yeah. That's very clear. Um, and they play footsie with people who don't believe in climate change. But they're going to say, this doesn't need to be the solution. Like, that's that's how they're going to slowly pivot towards action on this particular one. And, and, you know, I look forward to them taking on a big state regulatory solution to these things instead of the market solution of the carbon tax simply because of the way the parties have flipped on this but like it's it's not in doubt the cpc can read the same polls they're gonna have to figure this out some ways but they're gonna they're gonna count on a kind of our individual hypocrisy and selfishness to get them where they need to be until such a point as canadians just call them on it and say enough carter you're sighing what's wrong I just, you know, Corey's point about there will always be unserious people who are, are not engaged in this is, is bang on. Um, you know, I, I've had a couple of times today where I've said that and it's really upsetting. But the truth is there will always be a lot of people who are unserious. There are, there are lots of people who go through life 
uh, never having to worry about a solution, um, never having to worry about what the solution is to to any particular problem, because frankly, not everybody's in the solution business. Um, but political parties are supposed to be in the solution business. And right now, I, I don't know what drives the CPC. Um, ideology, I suppose, but it's not even really ideological. It's kind of like saying that Danielle Smith is ideological. She's not. She's uh, a ridiculous populist who bounces around from solution to solution that that just moves where she wants to move at any given moment in time um, based on you know her her gut reactions or the gut reactions of the people who are supporting her. Um, that's not good enough right now. And maybe it was good enough at some point. Maybe it was good enough when we weren't dealing with with existential threats to our society. Um, you know, my kids are older, young, you know, but they're still going to deal with this. They're going to deal with this their whole fucking lives. Um, your kids are younger. They're going to deal with it their whole fucking lives, right? This is, this is just the time for serious people to be doing serious things. And it really pisses me off that one of the political parties that could form government isn't behaving in a serious way. To Corey's point, they just aren't. And I... You know, if they if they said, you know what, we don't like the carbon tax, but here's our solution, I could almost wrap my head around it. But there is no solution. They don't want to bring a solution because it turns out the only way we're going to do this is by constraining what we're doing. You know, Corey, I was thinking I rented a uh, wave runner for two hours, not for a whole week, just two hours. And I did think, you know, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe, maybe a solution that the government of British Columbia or the government of Canada should bring in is a temporary ban on the sale of any new watercraft um, that doesn't meet strict environmental standards. Uh, unless it's working watercraft, there could be working watercraft. But most of the, you know, the pleasure craft, um, do we really need it right now? I thought that would, I, I was thinking, you know, what, what would be an interesting political um, policy that you could bring in after this summer of fire? Uh, that would show that you're serious or it would show that you've got your head in the game on this thing. And that's what I came up with kind of just off the top of my head is, is what would happen if, if someone actually took the line that said, we're not selling any more pleasure craft um, in the province of British Columbia until we get a grip on emissions, period, end of sentence. Yeah, I I just think that would be really unpopular um, because then people wouldn't get to do the things that they want to do. And, you know, I think th this is one of the things that as a society we're going to have to grapple with right quick. And there's some interesting flags on the field for me here. But maybe we should all remind each other, like, this fucking sucks. Climate change sucks. It was great having oil and gas and being able to burn it with wild abandon and being able to power all of these things cheaply. That was pretty fucking cool, yeah. right? Destroying the planet. One of the reasons we have to do these things is because we've got to make some tough choices at this particular moment here. I, I think one of the things in Alberta that really you know, bends my noodle a bit is the, the arguments about renewables that we're having right now. We don't need to rehash all of them here. But renewables have become so competitive on price that we sort of forget the primary argument for them, which is that the way we currently generate our electricity is destroying the fucking planet. Mm -hmm. And so we start saying like, yeah, but you know, it's not dispatchable and oh, it's not as convenient and it's not as reliable. Okay, gotcha. 
it's got this other problem over here. Half the fucking country on fire, right? Like, like the, we have some challenges we've got to deal with here. And so one of the things that I think the CPC is a bit guilty of here is that, well, there's something we're all guilty of, which is we don't want to deal with the hard solutions here. We want the miracle solutions that have no downsides. We want yeah. to be saved by technology. We want to be saved by some magical thinking force that's out there, right? Like we were with but, the ozone you know, the layer. Other problem like the ozone layer was this huge threat. Yeah. Oh my God, it's the end of the end of days. And then we figured it out. And we're done, you know? But I, I mean, that's an interesting example because that was like a government treaty yeah. to get rid of the things that were destroying the ozone But it, it didn't impact you know? us, but right? It, like it wasn't impact. But there were solutions. Yeah. There were options. So right? what, but it, yeah. Corey, do you have like, Carter's got this pleasure craft ban idea <laughs> that he came up with on a pleasure craft. Like, do you have any sort of catchy solutions like that? No, I mean, I, I, my point is there aren't catchy solutions. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bunch of small ball shit you can do. Like, I think like, we got to do the actually, small ball shit thing. is what I'm trying to get across, right? Like, I know I that just it's don't, not going to solve things. No. Carter, Carter, why do you think we have to do it? I think you have to start showing people that we have to act in a multitude of ways. You know, we, we had the, what do we have? The one ton challenge for a while. And then we had, uh, you know, like we, we tried to put it off on, onto us as individuals. We're going to figure this out, uh, you know, whatever the different phrases or, or kind of commitments were of the day, but none of that's good enough anymore. Now we have this, this problem that is no longer a future tense problem. It is a present tense problem, and we have to start making present tense solutions. And BC could do it. BC could do it. Um, you know, even the federal government could do it. And maybe my idea is too far, but I think that there needs to be some actions that say, guys, the planet's on fire. We need to start doing things. This is, you know, we've omitted more. You know, there used to be the myth of the boreal forest and the carbon sink. You remember that one, Corey? You and I used to get that all the time. Yeah, right? yeah we used, we used we were, to hear that we all the, the time. We were a carbon yep. sink here. Well, we just omitted three times our, our national emissions, uh, you know, overall emissions in smoke and CO2 from the fires. So, so much for the fucking carbon sink. You know, the carbon sinks on fire now, guys, we're out of options. So if not, if not the play, you know, sure. No problem on the pleasure craft. I'm fine. I'm, I'm open to other things. If not that, what? Because I think we need to be in the, if not, then what category for a while, because, um, shit's getting really real. Yeah, you know, I actually think we have drifted toward. Uh, this has been a little meandering, I know, but I think we've drifted towards the thing that's frustrating me about this current state of conversation here. It is that magical thinking. Yeah. It's, you know, I was thinking about this in the context of Danielle Smith had a Twitter post today about how we're going to phase out emissions, not the oil and gas industry, and we're going to do this all mean? through carbon like- capture. I well, doesn't even matter. But the point is, people want to have their cake and eat it too. People want to think a plastic bag ban is helping the environment in a way that perhaps it's not, right? And I think both parties, to wildly different degrees, are guilty of this, but they're suggesting a bunch of easy solutions and nobody's life needs to materially change. And I think we got to be a little bit more honest about the fact that, yeah, our lives are going to have to change and maybe there'll be solutions that allow us to bring some of these things in at cost down the road, but... Like it's, it's going to, it's rocky and it's going to get rocky in different ways if it's going to get better. 
And I just, I, I'm looking for a government that's going to be a little bit more direct about that rather than saying, hey, we've got this really cool carbon tax and we're going to do it and you're going to get it all back in levies and you're not hurt at all. And everything's better. You get more money and the environment's better and we found the perfect solution. Like, can we just be a little honest that this is going to be a rough couple of decades as we transition away from things that are destroying the planet to things that are a little more costly that we haven't even figured out yet in some cases? How do you think the the long-term versus short-term thinking, and I think especially in the context of politics and parties that want to win again every four years or whatever, like what does that factor into a conversation like this when, and, and you brought it up, Carter, like your, your kids who are in their 20s are going to have to deal with it, but my kid who's one and Corey's kid who's kids who are younger, like it, it's, I, I, do, do you think there's like a generational shift in people who have kids of a certain age or how, how do you shift that thinking of like, this isn't a, you know, Oh, this is a problem people can deal with in the future. to like, no, we need to deal with this now and we need to be the party that does something about this, whether we get elected again or not. We've never, you know, we're, we've got three or four generations that have never heard the word no. Right. You know, and, and no has just not been a part of the lexicon uh, for any political party, right? We we've worked, we found ways to work around things. You want the world's greatest healthcare system? No problem, right? Uh, do you you know we're not going to even have to pay for it, especially in Alberta. I mean, Jesus, we haven't heard the word no um, ever. I mean, since since the nineteen seventies at least. Um, you know, like we just don't hear the word no. We get the you know we get to do whatever we want it, it whenever we want to do it, and at some point. I think that we're going to have to start hearing the word no and and it's going to create real problems because but but we as a society are going to have to ask ourselves ask and demand that the people start saying no to us. Um we have to demand that a government stand up and do the right thing and that means that we all have to suffer a little bit because we all suffered this summer. You know the, the you know the hurricane the hurricane in California we haven't spoken about right like yeah. the hurricane in California is not supposed to happen it's just not supposed to happen um and and you know maybe it's downgraded to a tropical storm or whatever the fuck it is uh the truth of the matter is uh we're going to see more climate change impact you know created problems uh, this is what our third episode in the row where we've talked about it. It is not going away and it may, you know, maybe the fires go out in the winter. Um, but now we're talking about zombie fires that come back. So we're pretty fucked. And, and I think that we have to start being willing and able to accept the word. No, you can't have that. Well, look, I don't, I don't know how fucked we are as long as we pick up our We're socks. Pretty fucked I, right now, Corey. This is kind of like a societal-wide, you know. I guess the equivalent is like a fight or flight, but the flight in this case is just to sort of deny we need to do anything or think somebody else will take care of it. And we just need a few more people to say, we're going to solve this and be fucking legends, you know, and have the next couple of generations say, oh, that was pretty good. Thank you for dealing with that. But, you know, I, th- this is... This is not as this goes on. There are far fewer people in younger generations who are in doubt about this. They've lived through, I, I mean, some of this misery themselves. They're seeing firsthand. They have doubts about what's going to happen in the future. They want action. 
Um, and so this problem will resolve itself, but it needs to resolve itself faster. And that next generation, they will judge us and they will judge us rightly if we don't do something about it. Cause we all saw it coming. Like at oh, this yeah. point, nobody's going to buy mm-hmm. that. Like this just hits you out of the side of the head. We've been talking about this my whole life. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this my whole life as a possibility here. And the, the people who have said, yeah, these are one-off events. They look dumber and dumber and they look dumber and dumber still as they continue to hold on to these lines uh, because it's just not, it's not like what an amazing coincidence at this point that all of these things seem to be happening just as people have said that they would happen. I, I mean, what do you expect us to believe here? Like these arguments that I don't think are that mainstream where people are saying, well, except for maybe some people in our government in Alberta. Yeah, you know, uh, but this arson, right? There's, oh there's arson God. that's causing some of these forest fires. Well, look, mm-hmm. you can't light a damp forest. Like, the hot, dry conditions are, are what is causing this here. Like, this is, this is, like, it's the equivalent of saying, well, yeah, but there were, you know, there's fires this year, there were fires last year. It's the equivalent of saying, well, there were car accidents before we all started driving drunk. Yeah, maybe, but you've probably set the conditions for more car crashes here, yeah. right? Like everyone's just got to smarten up. That, that's my final thought on this. End us on a hopeful note, Carter. Corey thinks everyone needs to smarten up. Is, is there hope here? Or is this just another depressing climate change conversation? Is there hope? I think we could solve no, this. Like we can't listen, solve this. You're, you're doing magical thinking now. You're doing magical thinking. We can thinking. solve we can't. this. No, I'm not. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be painful. It's going to change our way of living. But we can solve. We have the tools in front of us to solve this but problem. But we will not. But it requires us to have honest conversations as a society. Yeah, when have we had that? Take Call some Pierre, tough actions. Ask him to have an honest conversation. Hey, PP, let's have a fucking honest conversation. He's not having it. Danielle Smith's not having an, uh, an honest conversation. Okay? Here's what we need to do. We need to take control. We need better parties that that are that are targeting this and we need better you know we need better election outcomes because the parties that are doing this the parties that are taking this on are being smarter not because you know the future generations are going to get this right they won't they will continue to be stupid people will continue to be stupid because that is our eternal situation <laughs> we need to have people who are smart Corey, I'm counting you as one of them uh, I don't know why at this stage, given your particular conversation, but, you know, people who are smart need to stand up and say, it's it's my fucking time. I'm going to do this now because no one else is fucking doing it. And that's what we have to do. We have to do that because before it wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. Like our control, Corey, what, what control we have had, what we've, what we've exerted over the past, I don't know. 10, 15 years that you and I have kind of worked together and done stuff together. That's been fun. It's been exciting. We got pretty well remunerated, but shit's getting different now. Shit's getting different. And it's time to step up because I I just don't think that, I don't think we're going to get another chance. I don't think we're going to get another chance. But I'm bumped. How was that, kids? Kind of hopeful, Carter. Yeah, and then that it, was just, like, it just ended not yeah. hopeful at all. <laughs> am I supposed to? Chance. What am okay. I saying? What, what? I just, we have yeah. what? I mean, I think we. It, it can be done. Be done. It can be done. But it's going to take. Fucking steps up will. and makes it fucking happen. And they're look. I mean, we're, are we counting on Elizabeth May to do it? Are we? Like, who are we counting on? Who are we counting on? Well, who, oh. Who's going to do it, Carter? Who Who are you speaking to? Who are you trying to motivate? I don't know, maybe someone in the Discord. 
Discord, by the way, is available. <laughs> okay. Yeah, patrons, patrons only. Because yeah. let's move. Let's move. You know, we almost to- never actually like. There's probably listeners who don't even know. You pay six dollars a month. You can get more of this. Yeah. Also less of this. Yeah. yeah. And you can join a really cool community on the yeah, Discord. Strategistpatreon.com. Yeah. Well, visit it. We should West make a Center. point of mentioning that. Ca. Also, <laughs> you can see it on a bus bench in Crescent Heights East. Yeah, um, where we've got fiber internet. It's yeah, great. <laughs> you guys do. Interestingly, my internet tonight keeps um, jamming when Carter's ranting. It's like it, every time oh. he rants is when it jams. Sure. So, Listen, before we move off, I should let you know, like, Crescent Heights East, that's what people not really in the know call it. We call it Che. <laughs> no so, one calls just... it Che. Yeah, you do have a fiber internet there, though. No one. Calls we also it have a flag. Che has a flag and oh, fiber internet. Tell us more about the flag in Che, Corey. Everyone's just dying to know. No, it's just like they're everywhere. You know, it's just it, like Toronto has Cabbage Town, Calgary has Che. This is how we are. Is it a double-sided flag? Uh, I I mean, it's a flag. You can get a double-sided <laughs> version. There's a lot of people who sell Che flags, Annalise. Like, I don't know what this is about. I, I got to go hang out in Crescent Heights East. Check this out. Yeah, you can get... No, Che. We say Che. But like, yeah, you no can, one calls it Che. You can get um, a one-sided version at uh, westofcenter.ca. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Guys, lightning round. Um, Here's a question from the Discord, the community we were what? talking oh, about that I check in on Those occasionally. Guys. Uh, I thought that I thought this was interesting. I don't I don't know if you guys actually know the answer, but um, and Corey, I also don't know if you listened to our last episode, but we talked a lot about Trump and Georgia, and someone says, if the Georgia if the Georgia trial ends up happening during the election season and is televised, how do networks balance wanting to show it and the laws around how much airtime they give candidates? I don't remember the details, but I do remember in 2016 the conversations about how they couldn't show reruns of The Apprentice or cutting Trump's appearance out of Home Alone too but a trial going on all day, every day for weeks, dot, 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 dot. I thought that was an interesting question that hadn't crossed my mind. Do either of you have an answer or do you know if networks would have to balance like wanting to show a trial with laws around how much airtime you can give a candidate? It seems to me, well, well, do you want to do go, go first, Corey? Then I'll clean it up. I don't know the answer, but I, I assume that that would not be considered like a great boon to the candidate. So it, it seems weird that you would have to balance off like the Trump trial with a bunch of Joe Biden speeches. Or like that that seems to be like hitting twice. Uh, I'm sure that this is somewhat considered. There's got to be something about news in the fair use doc- or not fair use doctrine, the whatever doctrine it is. Yeah. Carter probably knows. Carter, do you have an answer? I think that it has to do with the election period itself, which is, again, defined differently. Uh, I think it is only after the nominations that that occurs. The nominations technically don't happen until July or until August of 2024. So it sounds like most of the trials are going to occur uh, prior to the... um, Prior to the uh, the 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 conventions, um, although they may be continuing on, I just don't think that this is one of those situations. This is not promotional to Corey's point, but I I think that you know the the, the networks yeah they'll cover this and they'll figure it out because it's going to be the most money they've ever made. There is a I I mean I certainly take the point like i remember when donald trump was a guest on saturday night live he uh 
he was only in it for like seven minutes of the, like they used him very judiciously for that reason. Like for every minute they had to give matching airtime to mm. Hillary Clinton at the time. And so it, it caused a lot of complications for the network. But yeah, I'd like, I think him sitting there in the defendant box is probably not the kind of thing that needs to be balanced out. I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's an interesting question. I thought it was an interesting question. The, the type of quality content people can um, go on the Discord and uh, find conversations about this I, stuff. I mean, really underlines, underlines how little we know, though. So, like, next maybe time. Maybe give us a heads up heads so we up, can answer right? it, you know. <laughs> you guys read completely. the Discord, like, hundred times more than I do. No, it, it was really. it was like a Discord conversation. It wasn't like a hey Annalise ask this on ask this on air, but I said, you know what, this is oh, a good so question. You're just like you're prying in. I'm gonna a ask on air. Spying. Oh. Spying is the word I like to use, Corey. Um last lightning round question, Dynalife. Alberta's health minister said Friday it will take over lab services from Dynalife after essentially things were just like not working one year into a twenty five year contract. It was supposed to save taxpayers upwards of $18 million. Um, Dynalife's equipment staff and facilities will be transferred to Alberta Precision Labs, which is part of AHS. Lightning round, so keep it short. <laughs> Carter, your reaction, <laughs> your thoughts. Keep it, keep short. it short. I, I mean... Uh, Lightning round. Listen, th- th- there's all kinds of room for private... Uh, delivery of healthcare services. Um, there's all kinds of room for that. I don't want this to be, you know, we, we have this idea that there's this private public line somewhere um, that makes it good public or bad public. Um, the truth of the matter is that if we include public, there's going to be profit motive included. And profit motive is going to erode uh, some delivery some 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 things will be eroded through that profit motive. motive. Um, doctors have it. We talked about it before. Doctors are private enterprises for the most part. Um, you know, there's lots of privatization in healthcare. That's fine, but we we can't be on the hook if the privatization goes wrong. Uh, if the privatization doesn't work, if the private, if the government decides that they're going to outsource something, there should be, there needs to be a consequence either for the private company or for the, uh, the government itself. Unfortunately, we refused to hold the government accountable in part because we didn't know the Dynalife was going to be a fucking gong show. But then again, why didn't we know? Why, where was the NDP? You know, the cancer center is still not occupied. Where's the NDP? Why aren't we talking about it? I mean, it sounds to me like the, the NDP said, well, of course, it was never going to be occupied by this point. So we're not going to actually take a take a run at it. I mean, fucking take a run at this, guys. It's it's important. And <laughs> we're getting our asses handed to us because this government is shit. And uh, it's great. Good, good short answer that didn't go yeah. down any other yep. tangent. Yeah. Corey, what are, what are <laughs> what your you thoughts here? Well, man, what do you want from me? Uh, my thoughts, uh, besides I'm going to have to remember to check Stephen's levels at the one hour, two minute mark <laughs> is, uh, I guess I, I, I'm not shocked. I mean, this has been a slow burning crisis for a while here. It was pretty clear there were massive lines. Everyone knows somebody. I was talking to a colleague of mine. She, she was in what she described as just like a totally chaotic situation, you know, lines for hours and hours, people losing their minds, you know, because the system had just entirely broken down lab services in the city of Calgary, I'm Mm -hmm. talking about specifically, you know, 
they say that there are no atheists in a foxhole, and I will say there are no free marketers in a Canadian healthcare crisis. And it is pretty natural for governments anywhere in this country, when faced with a healthcare challenge, to say, well, the government will do it. And so now the government's doing it, and let's see the government do it better. But just because the government stepped in does not guarantee better results. We need to see the proper investments in people, in equipment, in staff, in interest from Alberta Health Services. And they need to stop jerking around APL, which was Alberta Public Labs before it became Alberta Precision Labs. Because, of course, uh, and and that's tied in, in many ways to this Dynalife story we're telling right now. So... Uh, Work is required regardless of who owns it. Something needs to be done. Okay. We're going to leave. Yep. Nice nice agreeing there, Carter. Hang on. Yeah. We have more. Did I go too long on one of the answers? Is that what the problem was? (laughs) (laughs) Three minutes over. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1092 of The Strategist. My name is Annalise Klingbeil. With you, as always, Stephen Carter and Corey Hogan. 